I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Um, as usual, I'm your host, Liam, and today we are kicking off a brand new series. I mean, I say brand new, brand new for this season. We did it last season, um, and that is a sophomore scrutiny series. We are doing it slightly earlier than we did it last year. Um, but, Rich, are you excited for sophomore scrutiny? Let's bring you in, mate. Yeah, I I, I love this series. It's something that we did for the first time last year, and um, I think it's, it's a really interesting thing because... You know, those sophomores are some of the most interesting players in Dynasty. It's it's the chance they could either blow up or, or completely disappear. You have to excuse me. It, it has it it was beautiful sunshine when I came into um my garage conversion, which is where I do the podcast, and it is absolutely just the heavens have literally just opened. It is we're talking torrential rain, thunder, um, which is a little bit weird because it was glorious sunshine literally five minutes ago. So uh, if there's any background noise, I do apologise. But uh, yeah, it's it's the rain, not me just running taps, I promise you. I can't hear anything at the moment, Rich, but the glorious uh, British weather. What, what, what else can we say? Absolutely. Um, so let's get this kicked off. Today, we're going to be looking at the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Last year, we did two different episodes on them. Um 
And I think we both feel the same when it comes to the tight end position, not really needing an hour show. Um, so we decided to roll the two into one. So, Rich, sophomore scrutiny. We start now. We've got to look at this in a very scrutinizing manner. Um, let's start off with the first quarterback off the board in the NFL draft, the 101, in both most Superflex leagues and in the 2021 NFL draft. That was Trevor Lawrence, and he went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Rich, he was very disappointing. He was the, one of the most highly touted prospects coming out of college. Um, the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Um, I think, when did Andrew Luck come out? 2010? Maybe around that time. There. Yeah, something like that. I just, um, can't remember. Putting you on the spot there, but yeah, he, he was one of the most highly touted prospects coming out of college. He were him and another player in this class, uh, Justin Fields, were basically head and head or head to head at the number one um, quarterback spot in college. Um, they've been at it since high school. They came into uh, the NFL battling to see who's going to be better, and it looked like in the pros in the uh, pre-draft stage that Trevor Lawrence was going to come in and be better than Fields. Fields dropped during the case. If we're looking at ADP, um, Lawrence is just slightly ahead. But for fantasy purposes, neither of them are any good. But let's start with Trevor Lawrence. Um, Rich, scrutinise Trevor Lawrence because I think we've both got a lot to say on this one. Yeah, I think, I think that perhaps we're being a little harsh. Um, you know, you look at Trevor Lawrence, who, as you said, came in as quite frankly, it was it was slightly ridiculous some of the things that were being said. Um it's it's difficult for him to live up to that. And then you throw in the fact that his head coach was Urban Meyer. I think, you know, full credit to the guy for essentially, you know, coming out semi-successful in year one. You know, he's he finished as the quarterback 22. Um, if you look at it in terms of points per game, it was an awful lot lower. Um, certainly not someone that you uh, you were particularly happy uh, starting on any given week. But you, I think we're now looking into year two. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a vocal critic of a lot of the moves they've made in terms of what they've put around him. But I, st I still believe in the talent. I, st I still think that he showed enough last year for me to believe that he is going to be an elite NFL quarterback. And I think that he's got the tools to be an elite fantasy quarterback. Um, so for me, he, he's not really moved a huge amount in my ranks from this time last year. I still believe in him. He's still, uh, I'm just double checking, he's still my quarterback one in terms of this class as we speak, um, which I think is is quite a lot against consensus. I think he's consensus QB3, if correct me if I'm wrong, Liam. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still believe in the guy and I still think that now you've got a grown-up in as, as head coach. Um, <laughs> I really believe that he's going to uh, go on and, and produce maybe not, you know, top five dynasty quarterback value, but I think he's going to be a, a fringe QB1 for, for a very long time. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you've said. I mean, you you have your first round um, 
run, rookie running back that he went to college with get injured with was it list frank injury yeah i want to say um before the season so that was a massive blow for them they didn't really get him any help at the wide receiver position they um just so you you're aware i think um look i've just had a quick look through all of the targets for the top um targets in jacksonville last year and marvin jones was the top targets from what i can see at 120 targets laviska chenault had 99 and when you're making jamal agnew um somewhat fantasy relevant for certain weeks and laquan treadwell down the stretch for the last i think it was six or seven weeks um when you're making those two type of guys fancy relevant on a week-to-week basis, that says everything you need to know about that depth chart. They did trade for Dan Arnold, and he did become quite decent um, down the stretch after they traded for him, and then he got injured. So there, there was nothing really that went Lawrence's way. And of course, as you mentioned, he had one of the worst head coach debuts or rookie seasons however you want to put it in nfl history i suppose like it it was awful and that's got to be a massive distraction even if lawrence and the jaguar say it wasn't it's got to be um coming into his sophomore year rich they've got a new head coach doug peterson a super bowl winning head coach um took the wentz led um, Eagles to the Super Bowl and then finished it off with falls after the Wentz injury. Not saying that's all Doug Peterson, but he's got to be somewhat relevant in that uh, in that aspect. And they've surrounded him with a lot of talent going into his sophomore year. They brought in um, Evan Engram, so all those Evan Engram um, truthers may be getting back on board with him um, after seeing the usage that Dan Arnold had last year. You've got uh, Christian Kirk to that, what we thought was a crazy, really crazy contract, and it turns out that it's not horrendous. No, 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 Liam. It's still a a crazy and awful contract. The way that it's structured, it is not as bad as we thought. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's... it's... I'd argue the way it's structured, it's worse, because there's such a little cap hit in year one that it's just pushing money into year two and three, which to me is just insane. Yes. It's not the, you know, it's, it's softened slightly from what it was announced in terms of that. I think it was four year, hundred million, wasn't it? And it was, it's it's been, it's now 72, which was less than what it was originally announced to be. But let's, let's not hide the cap hits of 21 and a half million in year two and 21 and a half million year three. That's not, that's not a good contract that's well structured. That's an awful I'm contract. not saying it's I'm not saying it's a good contract. I'm saying it's better than it was originally um, <laughs> reported, which I suppose wasn't too hard. But you've got that. And then I mean you can say Zay Jones isn't talent, but he's better than or he's shown more than what Lacan Treadwell and Jamal Agnew have. So I suppose that's something else. Uh, he should be getting Etienne back as well. So they are trying to surround him with talent. Um, I think as well, if you've if you've just got to look at the stats of what Lawrence did, and you know, I don't think you can make enough of the situation and the joke that Jacksonville was last year. But he put together a very impressive four-game stretch. If you look at week four to week eight, he played away at Cincinnati, home to Tennessee, 
home to Miami, away to Seattle. Now, that's four very good defences. During that point, he averaged 16.5 points per game in terms of fantasy scoring. He threw three touchdowns in that span. That's that's pretty low. The thing that killed Trevor Lawrence was he that... He rushed for two touchdowns yeah. in that span. Let's, yeah. Let's but that. the thing that killed Trevor Lawrence last year was that the wheels came off Jacksonville halfway through the season and he went on an eight-game stretch where he threw one touchdown. And that completely killed him from his fantasy perspective. And I think that... I I, can't, I I hate keep banging on about this, but now you've got grown up in the room, I really believe that he is everything we dreamed of in terms of the talent. And I really believe that he is poised to make a, a really good bounce back. I think for me, you're going to see him. I don't think you're going to, he's going to break that top sort of two tiers, but I think he's going to settle into the conversation around Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott towards the end of this season. So when uh, you have a quarterback that is averaging less than one touchdown thrown per game, per game, or one touchdown in general per game, that says everything you need to know about that rookie season. I think that Lawrence is due a bit of a, a bit of upside here. I think tight end uh, quarterback 12 is about right. I think people are already looking at that upside, taking him at uh, quarterback 12. Yeah, he's, he's my QB 12, so I can't argue with it. <laughs> I'm not arguing with it. I'm just saying with that price, it's already kind of assumed that he's going to take that step. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just about right. So let's move on to the second rookie pick in the 2021 draft. That's Zach Wilson, your quarterback for the New York Jets. Um he is currently going at QB 21. Uh, this is May ADP from DLF. So, Rich, I'm going to leave the floor to you because I could bang on about how I think he's undervalued right now, but you're his court. Uh, you're you're a fan, so I'll let you take that away. Yeah, I I think that first of all, I'd like to caveat this by saying I'm normally more critical on Jets players than any other player. So, if I'm telling you a Jets player is a screaming value, then there's generally, you know, that's that's generally a pretty good thing because I'm normally more negative than anything. Um, at QB21, now, I don't think you can get him at those prices. I think with the moves the Jets have made over the past two months, I do think there's been a little bit of hype building on him. Um, and I think that, that that ranking is probably a little bit light. But this is a guy to me, and we talked about this, I want to say back in February time, Liam, where... Zach Wilson is a guy who, to me, has the biggest range of biggest range of outcomes of any quarterback not named Jalen Hurts. I wouldn't be shocked. I truly believe that Zach Wilson has the talent to be a top five NFL quarterback. I think his arm talent is immense, and I really think that if he can put it all together, he can be an absolute superstar in the NFL. I also believe that by the end of this year, he could have fallen on his face and the Jets could be looking to draft the quarterback in 2023. I don't think any other quarterback has got, as I said, outside of maybe Jalen Hurts, has got that range of outcomes. If, for you know, for me, in a Superflex league, if you're looking at that QB2, QB3, we talked about this before, I'm looking to pair 
a safer option with a high upside option. And I don't get why more people aren't willing to take the punt on Zach Wilson because I think the potential payout is huge. Give me a Zach Wilson every day of the week over a Mac Jones or a Tua because I don't think that Mac Jones or Tua have even got QB1 in their range of outcomes. I don't think they will ever be a consistent top 12 quarterback. I think Zach Wilson potentially could do that. Now you throw in the fact that the Jets have now got arguably one of the better offensive lines in the league. You know, they've got maybe top three or four guard combination. They've got the, a guy that showed in his rookie year that he can be a, you know, superstar left tackle. Okay, he's he's battling weight issues and injury issues, but that offensive line could be great. You've then got a top 10 pick in Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, who flashed last year, Corey Davis, who, you know, for his faults, is a very good complimentary receiver that does all the small things that every offense needs. You've got three potential tight ends compared to, you know, the joke that was the tight end room last year. And then you've still got Michael Carter in the backfield. And then you're throwing in, for me, the best running back prospect in a couple of years in Brees Hall. This offense, if Zach Wilson can put it all together, could be really good. Now, I, th- I don't want to get ahead of myself and I'm still convinced as a Jets fan that it's all going to fall apart. But if you can get him at quarterback 21 prices, now, as I said, I don't think that's true, but that's that's an absolute bargain for me. I mean, yeah, I, I don't see how he, he can be ranked that low when the talent is there. You know, Trevor Lawrence had a joke of a situation and people give him all the breaks in the world as we, as we have just done. But Zach Wilson scored basically the same amount of fantasy points a game. He averaged 12 and a half. Trevor Lawrence scored 13, but Zach Wilson, the offensive line fell apart. You know, he had a rookie Michael Carter and nothing else out the backfield. Wide receivers were like turnstiles on offense. You know, his leading receiver for like four game stretch was Braxton Berrios who, okay, competent slot receiver, but is not anything to write home about. And he didn't have a tight end on the offense that could catch a ball. Like, he did a lot with with not very much. So I'm I'm really excited about Zach Wilson. I think, look, if, if you can get him QB 21 price, if I'm I'm happy, look, I'm, I'm holding on to all 2023 firsts. But if you can get him for a 2023 first, I think that's a, a nice aggressive move to go and make right now. Those 2023 firsts are gold dust at the moment. It's insane, the price. But we won't go into that because that's not this show. Um, (laughs) Rich, I'm not going to rehash everything you've just said. Um, I agree completely. And even though for the the, the showmanship, the show, I don't want to agree with you all the time. This time, I I cannot um, understate how much I agree with you. At the moment... Um, he's got Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Matt Jones, Tom Brady, and Tua all directly above him. And I think for dynasty purposes, I think Wilson has the largest upside out of all of those. I think Carr could push up to uh, a QB1 this season with Adams there and may- maybe um, push that boundary a little bit more. But 
in terms of dynasty, I don't think any of those quarterbacks are going to be able to rise as much as Wilson could this season. Um, the, the the one worry I do have with Wilson is if he doesn't do it this year, do you think the Jets will stay with him? Because as you mentioned, they could be looking for a quarterback in 2023 if Wilson is horrendous. So do you think that that is... Not I think likely, he, but is a, a a good portion of his outcomes this year. I think, and this goes for all of these sophomore quarterbacks. I think they'd have to have an absolute car crash season, except maybe Justin Fields. I think they'd all have to have a car crash season in order to not be back in year three. I think if Zach Wilson has the same season this year as he did his rookie year, I think he's the quarterback in twenty twenty three. I don't think the Jets with how the team is structured, with how the contracts are structured, with how they're building it, I don't think they can throw in the towel and say, Zach Wilson's not a guy, we'll go find someone else. Yeah, that's fair. So, moving on, uh, the third quarterback taken off the board in the 2021 NFL draft was the Trey Lance uh, quarterback out of Oregon, I believe it was. North Dakota um, State. And Knew I was going to get one of these wrong. So, North Dakota State, I'm glad you were there to um, correct me on that one. This one, um, we were both right with last year of saying he is most likely going to sit the entire year. Um, I believe he started only when there was an injury to Jimmy Garoppolo, and then he went back on the bench. So, he, he did come in and he looked okay, but the 49ers were pushing for a Super Bowl. Um, and another playoff appearance, and it didn't come to fruition, but Jimmy G got them close yet again, even though their offensive play against the Packers was awful. It was only that the offensive play from the Packers was even worse that they got through. <laughs> um, but let's come back to Trey Lance on that one. I think he, out of this class, has the highest upside out of any of them. I just think that that upside is slipping away a little bit more. And I know that's going to trigger Tom when he listens because Tom is a massive Lance believer. Um, And I just want to see Lance on the field and starting for the 49ers because if he does, Debo's there, Kittle's there, Ayuk's there. I think that he's going to be a great fantasy-relevant quarterback. I think he could be in the conversation of trying to move up into that second tier. Um, But if he maybe doesn't start for a good portion of this season, where do you see him ranked, Rich? Because I think he's got a large variety of outcomes this year. And I'm not saying that he won't start. I'm just saying it's still in his um possibility or his range of outcomes that he doesn't start the entirety of this year with Jimmy G still not being moved from that quarterback room. Yeah, so I think before before we dive in to talk about Trey Lance, I think it's it's worth mentioning Liam that I think you said that he wouldn't wouldn't be a top twenty four QB in ADP. Um, yes, that was this, a hot at this take. point. Yeah. It was. Yeah, so he's he's currently QB eleven. So I, th- I think I'm 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 not a maths expert, but I think QB eleven is well inside <laughs> the top twenty four. So um, I think we can draw a big a big L on that one. Um, yeah, look, it I, was a big L. I'll give you that. <laughs> I think that Trey Lance hasn't changed for me in the last year. 
Okay, Trey Lance has got incredible upside, but I have some real concerns about him putting it all together. Um, the 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 situation with the 49ers terrifies me because if he doesn't start this season, to me that says so much about what they're seeing behind closed doors. The fact they've not traded or released Jimmy G, it, it scares me. Now, supposedly they have this offer of two seconds still set out there, but I'm, I'm not sure I believe it because I think if they've not taken that, then they're, they're idiots. Um, I, I believe that Trey Lance is going to start, and I think that Trey Lance is going to be a, a fantasy start when he plays. But it's it's a little bit of a risk. Um, I think that the fact we've, we've not seen and heard more kind of wholehearted support of him um, is, is a little bit concerning. I'd also argue that when you're looking at Trey Lance stats from last year, I think people are swayed by his lower points per game because he got snaps in three and a half games where he, he wasn't the starter and therefore his points per game looks pretty pathetic. But actually, this is a guy that was averaging, I want to say like 18 points a game in his two and a half starts where he was the starting quarterback. You know, he flashed enough rushing potential to show exactly what he could be at the next level. And and we've seen with Jalen Hurts, you don't need to be a good quarterback to score fantasy points. Um, so I think that if he is starting, then I think that that he could be an absolute fantasy star. I've got him as my QB 14. I'm a little bit lower than consensus just because there is that little risk. Yeah, I I, I get it. I mean, um, so just I've just worked out his, um, his average over those two and a half games and it was 20 points, so it's better than what you were, you were getting to. Um, I do think that he has the highest upside out of all of them, as I've said. I just think that you're already paying for that upside in his ADP. And I, I don't think I'm hugely lower on him. I think I've got him slightly lower than UQB14. But I don't think that I'm way off on that. I just think that in that tier, I'd rather take someone with a bit more of a proven setting. Um, again, I will point out that he probably has the best um, situation out of every one of these quarterbacks if he starts in 2022. Yeah. It's just that question of if he starts, because if he doesn't, as you said, it basically says everything you need to know about that, um, yeah. about the, the opinions of the 49ers front office and coaching staff. And I think that for me, you know, I guess the, the conversation I think at this point in drafts, it falls down to, are you willing to take one of the older quarterbacks in terms of Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, or one of the young, high upside quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance? And for me, you know, I, I preach about QB age being the most overrated thing. And I would rather take someone like Aaron Rodgers, who I am very confident will be an elite fantasy quarterback for the next three years, over someone like Trey Lance, where Yes, he could be an elite fantasy quarterback, but I've got no guarantees that he's going to be a starting quarterback in two years, let alone three. So I would pump for Aaron Rodgers, despite his age, because I think he's got that longevity over someone like Trey Lance, which sounds slightly backwards in how you word it, but um, that's kind of what I truly believe. 
no, I'm with you. I'm I took Trey Lance in our um five yard dynasty writers um league just because I wanted a share and I'm just having a look at where I got it. I got him as QB nines slightly earlier than this ADP. Um and this was done pre draft, so I was kind of hoping that Jimmy G wouldn't be there anymore. Um which has blown up in my face a little bit, but um I think that's kind of where you have to take him at this point if you're not taking him around that QB9, QB10 range, which is slightly earlier than what this ADP is telling us. You probably aren't getting him because everyone's looking at those young quarterbacks in that range like a Trevor Lawrence and a Fields and everyone's seeing the upside and already trying to get to the next best thing before it's become the next best thing. And that's what people are seeing Lance as. So let's move on. Justin Fields was the next QB off the board. Um, he was most likely your 102 or 103, depending on where um, Lance and Fields went. But yeah, Justin Fields, QB 15 in May ADP. I think that that's about right. Um, I think it's probably slipped a little bit more for me now that that situation hasn't <laughs> hasn't really changed in the draft a lot of people including myself expected the bears to do something in the nfl draft and not draft a 25 year old uh, wide receiver in the third round i i don't know what the the um bears are doing they mortgage the future to get fields and then haven't done anything to help him out this season um maybe uh free agent that is still around so like a julio or uh odell beckham jr or will fuller goes there but at the moment i feel like we're saying that about every team that needs a wide receiver maybe one of those three goes there um so i i do wonder about this situation i just think field still has a bit more of a longer re- um longer lease than some of these other um quarterbacks just because of how much they mortgage the future for um and i think the difference between him and lance is lance still hasn't started whereas fields hasn't got anything around him and is still starting like i think they're in very similar situations in terms of upside i think fields is a great quarterback and i think that for fantasy purposes he will get up he well, he has the opportunity to become a, one of those quarterbacks we speak about in one of the top two tiers. But I think he also has a very wide range of outcomes. I just feel that Fields is a little bit safer if you take him at this point because I don't think his ADP is going to drop too much from there, even though I have him a little bit lower in my rankings. I, I am absolutely terrified with Justin Fields, okay? I I was a massive Fields fan. I still believe in the talent. I think he is a fantastic quarterback prospect. And I that's that's the one thing that I'm kind of holding on to. But I'm terrified that the Bears have basically said the previous regime, as you said, mortgaged the future to go and get Justin Fields as their like last roll of the dice to try and keep their jobs. They've now moved on. Ryan Poles has come in as the Bears GM and what he said is, okay, let's clear the decks. Let's start again. I think they got 130 million in cap space in 2023 and they're going to start from there as like their point zero. And to me, what that says is 
if Justin Fields performs this year, then great. We've got a young franchise quarterback that we can build around. However, we're not going to put anything around him. We're not going to improve the offensive line. We're not going to bring in any additional weapons. And he's going to have to do it on his own. And if he can't do it on his own, what they're going to do is they're going to say, right, Justin Fields, see you later. Maybe trade him for a second round pick next year. And they're going to take a quarterback in the draft next year and they're going to build around that guy because that will be Ryan Poles' quarterback. Because that's the thing we've got to remember is that nobody in the current Bears regime, whether that be head coach, front office staff, had anything to do with drafting of Justin Fields. So... They've they've got nothing tied to him. So that's why I'm terrified about Justin Fields because I truly believe he could be great. But I don't know if he is going to be given the opportunity to reach his potential. Because as I said, we talk about young quarterbacks and, and how they produce and how they settle into the NFL. And it time and time again, it comes down to if you surround them with a good offensive line, a good offensive minds and play callers with good weapons, then they tend to succeed. And at the moment, Justin Fields has got a third-year tight end that we keep piping up, but nobody is, you know, he's not actually... Third-year breakout. Yeah, well, you know my thoughts <laughs> on breakout tight ends. Um, we've got a, you know, a day three wide receiver that has absolutely outproduced his draft capital, but isn't you know a, a truly elite X isn't a truly elite number one and the offensive line hasn't really taken any great strides forwards they're basically saying as I said 2023 is our point zero and we'll go from there and I think they're they're spending the year evaluating the roster with a view of saying are you going to be here in 2023 or not and that terrifies me if I'm spending you know QB 15, what what are we talking that in a startup? That's probably second, third round pick at that point, I presume. I'd probably say third or fourth round. Yeah, I, I, I just can't. That's such a hard, high price to pay on a guy that might not have a job in a year. And, you know, yeah, I've, I've still got him as my QB 15. Yes, I'd, I'd still take him over Zach Wilson, but it's, it's getting close. And... I am very, very scared. I'm certainly not going out and buying any more shares. Um, and if I've got somebody in my league that thinks Justin Fields is, you know, still that guy that was drafted QB2 in, in most rookie drafts last year, um, maybe I'm having a slight conversation seeing if I can sell because, um, yeah, I'm I'm very concerned that he's not going to get that opportunity to uh, to hit the ceiling that we all hoped. We're seeing quite a theme here with all of these quarterbacks we've talked about so far is all of them have dropped in value, I suppose, in kind of expectations because they didn't meet the very high expectations the dynasty community had of them coming into their rookie year. And a lot of people tend to forget because of, I suppose it's a little bit of confirmation bias that when those rookies come in and do absolutely brilliantly they kind of like the dynasty community in general only see those guys rather than seeing the complete other end of the spectrum of these guys coming in and not doing well like we've seen and it's only this year that we've really seen that where the quarterbacks have come in and not one of them has outperformed expectations to the point where they are 
extremely good. I think all of them have just slightly overachieved or completely disappointed compared to the draft capital that people spent on them. Um, moving on, Rich, we've got the fifth quarterback off the board, which is Matt Jones, um, both in rookie startup, uh, rookie drafts and in uh, the NFL draft last year. So he's currently going as QB 18, so slightly ahead of Wilson. To me, uh, Matt Jones feels like a safe pick. It doesn't feel like a pick you're shooting for upside. And I think QB 18 is a little bit too high for me for just going for a safe pick. Um, other QBs around that area are um, Tom Brady, slightly above him, Tua, two spots above him. And then slightly below him, you've got Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. And as we mentioned, um, Zach Wilson at QB21. To me, I take all of those above Mac Jones just for the upside. I mean, we've seen Kirk Cousins as a QB1. Derek Carr has kind of performed end of QB1 potential um, performance-wise. I just think Matt Jones doesn't necessarily have that upside, but I don't think he's as risky as a lot of the other quarterbacks we've already spoken about. I am flabbergasted that people are (laughs) seriously picking Matt Jones over Derek Carr. And this goes back to the thing I preach about is that QB age is so overrated. Matt Jones has got, uh, you know, no guarantee of being a starting quarterback in three years. Yes, he, he looked good. He looked good last year. I will I will hold my hands up and say he looked better than I thought he did. But let's not pretend that he's nothing's changed for him. Okay. As of yet, the Patriots still don't have an offensive play caller. Whether that's going to be Bill again, whether that's going to be Bill O'Brien, whether it's going to be Matt Patricia, nobody knows. You know, they have lost Josh McDaniels, who, for all of his faults, is a fantastic offensive-minded head coach. Matt Jones doesn't have elite weapons. You know, yes, I love Devontae Parker more than the most, and it's a guy that I can't quit. But let's not pretend that Devontae Parker is going to come and be a superstar with Matt Jones. Matt Jones is, he is what he is. He is a quarterback that takes what he can seize and doesn't put the ball in danger. And he's going to lead the Patriots to win games. He's going to be a competent NFL quarterback, but he is not going to be a fantasy star. The fact that somebody can take Derek Carr behind Mac Jones, when Derek Carr is a guy that is consistently outproduced Mac Jones and has just added Devontae Adams, this is just mind-blowing to me. And it just goes to show that like QBH is so overrated because people are taking Matt Jones because they think, oh, he's a young guy. I'm going to have him for 15 years. Like, What happens if Matt Jones is terrible this year? Do we really think that he's going to be quarterback in two years' time? Like, It's, it's not for long, and it's what you've done for me lately. And yeah, I, I, I just think Matt Jones is a safe, boring pick that... I just don't want any part of at this price. You know, give me the upside of a superstar in this range and then give me a, you know, Derek Carr. Give me, quite frankly, a Matt Ryan. If you're looking for safe, give me the cheaper guys that, that have probably got a better upside in terms of what they're going to put out. So, yeah, I'm, I don't get Mac Jones. I think fine. He, he's just going to be fine. I just I just don't see him ever being a superstar. 
yeah, we're we're not going to harp on about that because we both got the same opinions for all of these guys by the looks of it. Um, Davis Mills is the next one. He went in the third round in the NFL draft last year. Um, the only quarterback after the top five that actually did anything last year. Um, I know Carl Trask went at the end of the second to the books and never started because, I mean, the goat is ahead of him. He's not going to do anything. Um, so Davis Mills uh, went, or is currently going as QB 28, or I've adjusted it to QB 27 because Taysom Hill is still in DLF ADP as a quarterback. Um, so QB 27, I'm going to say, Rich. And I think Davis Mills, a lot of people are wary about him going into next year, as they probably should be. Um, but he showed some real upside last year, which I know a lot of people weren't expecting. He was the the one that rose the most out of all of these quarterbacks, um, in, in value anyway. So he was the QB 28 last year in production. Um, he went through a stretch where he wasn't playing either. Um he wasn't doing brilliantly. He was really up and down. He was a little bit like a roller coaster, but in games where he did well, he did really well. Uh, he, he scored like 27 points, 24 points. But in games where he did awfully, he really did. He minus one point. Um, so it'd have been better not throwing a ball at all. Um, three points. Uh, it, it really comes down to the type of Davis Mills you got on the day. The thing I want to say about Davis Mills is. We just talked about Trevor Lawrence and him not having any weapons. We talked about um, Zach Zach, um, Wilson and not having many weapons there. Davis Mills was in such a bad situation. It was even worse than either of those quarterbacks, which is saying everything. Yes, he had a number one wide receiver in um, Brandon Cooks. But after that, he had nothing. He had uh, Nico Collins, who I was high in. A high arm coming into the class, but yeah, he's a third round wide receiver. He didn't really do anything, unfortunately. Um, and that was it. They, there was really nothing else. They didn't have a running back. They had David Johnson that hasn't done anything since he was traded there. It it was a complete mess. They got rid of their head coach after one season, which is very unheard of. I know we just talked about. Um, Urban Meyer for the Jags, but that was a slightly different situation. Um, it felt like that was kind of a placeholder position, um, like a kind of set up to fail position, unfortunately. But Davis Mills, I think, has a wide variety of outcomes, like any quarterback in this class, really, where he genuinely could be worthless going into next year, or he could be talked about in that QB mid QB2 range um where he's got the upside and he's has kind of figured out how to stabilize a little bit week to week. Um the Texans did draft John Mechie in the second round. I've been getting a lot of shares of him in the, the late second, early third round. Um Rich where do you want to go with this one? Because they've not really added a whole lot of weapons. They're kind of gearing to the future, and I know that if will uh, if Mills doesn't do well this season, they will be looking for a quarterback in twenty twenty three. I think this is the only one where there's 
not really that safety blanket of will they, won't they. It's a if Mills doesn't do well this season, they will be looking for a quarterback regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of the expectation and that's what's baked into the price, isn't it? Let's be honest. But the the issue I have, without wanting to carry on bashing Mac Jones in his current price, Mac Jones is a fourth round start pick in ADP, okay, in a Superflex League. Davis Mills is a ninth round starter pick. Okay, so the difference between that, what what are you having to pay for trade from the ninth to the fourth? Is probably a twenty three first, maybe, maybe something on top of that, maybe more. Yeah, yeah. So if you're t- saying to me, I can have Davis Mills and a twenty three first or Mac Jones, right? Now Davis Mills and Mac Jones are probably going to put out the similar fancy production this year. And then I've got a 23 first that I can go and get either one of these four or five superstar quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round, one or two of these absolute stud running backs that, you know, are potentially the best prospects in Saquon Barkley, potentially one of the one or two of these receivers. You know, I don't think people realize this 2023 draft class is stacked with elite talent, but it's so deep that even the 110, 111, like a late first, you know, is going to be awesome. That's why I'm going out and buying all those 23 seconds because we talked about 23 firsts being like gold dust. If you're telling me I can have Davis Mills and a first or Mac Jones, that's not even a conversation for me. That is an absolute slam dunk pick of Davis Mills and the first because I think they've got similar situations, similar fantasy production, similar fantasy p- potential. The only thing is, is that Mac Jones is probably a little bit more stable as that first round pick as a better NFL quarterback that's probably going to hang around and, and be a starter. So, yeah, I, I don't get the discrepancy in value, quite frankly. And so for me, this is this is an easy conversation to be having. I think Davis Mills is undervalued and I think that Mac Jones is hugely overvalued. I think so. I've just looked at their um their average or their points per game, average points per game. Um, and Mills was 1.1 points behind Mac Jones. And he had awful games. I mean, absolutely awful games. Like, as I said, there was a two points, there was a three points, there's even a minus one point game in there. But he also shows that upside. I think with Mac Jones, as you've said, he is a safe pick, and that's why people are picking him where they where he's going. Um, but at cost, it, it, as you said, ninth round pick, I'd take the shot at him, at Mills being a starter going into next year. Because um, if it pays off, you're immediately getting a fourth or a fifth round draft pick in a, or equal to that in a startup. I think he's got a, such a wide variety of outcomes. And if you can get him as your QB4, it, I mean, QB 28 is uh, around Q or QB 27, 28, depending on whether you class Taysom Hill as a quarterback. Um, If you can get that type of quarterback around your QB 3, QB 4 range, then you may be looking at a really good roster going into next year. And if it doesn't work out, a ninth round cost isn't horrendous compared to two years down the line when you wasted a fourth round startup pick. Um, if Mac Jones doesn't 
play out, but he is a lot safer. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's you know the the difference in potential fantasy production isn't great. Yeah, the difference in price is massive. So yeah, it's, I, I can't get my head around it personally. It's definitely the safety, but that's it for the quarterbacks of this class. Let's have a look at the tight ends for the last fifteen minutes of this show. Um, I mean, everyone knows where we're going to start with this segment. Everyone knows the generational talent, and we're both there to watch his very first NFL touchdown and his only touchdown of last year, I believe it was, Rich. Um, Kyle Pitts. Yes. It was against the Jets, and I only bring it up to rub it in a little bit. Um, But yeah, Kyle Pitts, we were talking pre-show at the rain or picks compared to a couple of others. And it's crazy that he only scored one touchdown last year because he feels like he did so much better than that, just looking at his points. And I think that's why he is going as the dynasty tight end one right now in May ADP. Um, I can't argue with it too much. I think around that tier, you're either looking at longevity or you're looking at immediate production. And we both know a lot of people in Dynasty prefer the future um, and and a nicer roster than going for win now and potentially having to rebuild really quickly. Um, so, Rich, Kyle Pitts for you, um, he had not a horrendous rookie season, but considering he was basically the, the best target on that offense outside of Cordell Patterson, who no one expected to be fantasy relevant when he signed with the Falcons. Um, how do you feel about Pitts going into year two? It's, it's hard to say anything negative about Kyle Pitts. He is an absolute star in the making and he is an absolute fantasy star. Okay. So he's he's a stud. Clearly the tight end one. I resisted it a little bit at the end of the season, but he's, he's head and shoulders above everybody else at the position. My issue with Kyle Pitts is... His, I guess, startup cost, his cost across positions is absolutely wild. Liam, in terms of DLF ADP, right, I'm putting you on the spot here. If we remove quarterbacks, where do you think Carl Pitts is in terms of ADP without quarterbacks? Right. I'm going to stop you there, Rich. So on the show sheet, is it the second column? Because I've just flicked over to that tab to make sure I was for my next point. So if it's the second column, I already know the answer. Oh, you've read. I thought I was going <laughs> to ask the question. Yeah, go on. Let, let listeners go on. Tell, tell him okay. where he's going. So between the sixth and seventh pick on average. Yeah, but he is the fifth non-quarterback in ADP. Like crazy. That that to me is absolutely mind blowing. I get the positional, you know, argument scarcity. of it's positional scarcity gives you an advantage at the position. I get that. But to be drafting him ahead of CD Lamb, DeAndre Swift, you know, even know like, your feelings on CD. Yeah, even like Brees Hall, people like that. That that seems absolutely insane. And this isn't tight in premium. This is in a normal one QB league. Yes. I thought this was tight end premium. No, this is not tight end premium. He is oh, the fifth wow. player in standard one QB PPR in terms I was about of to say, 
Like, I was about to say this price was crazy, and then you told me it was not tight end premium, which makes it even worse. As I said, I love Carl Pitts, but I, 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 I hate to say this all the time, but to me, when a player reaches peak value, unless they're going to, you know, potentially carry that on, I wonder if you've got to be having a conversation because I reckon you can get an absolute haul for Carl Pitts right now. If you're telling me he is going ahead of DeAndre Swift, CD Lamb, Brees Hall in in ADP, can I get can I get Brees Hall in a second for Carl Pitts? Like that's yeah. that's a home run for me. If I can get can I get Carl Pitt? Can I get Brees Hall and Zach Ertz? Can I get Brees Hall and you know Mike Gesicki for oh. Carl Pitts? Then that, I think I'm, you're harping on about. I think you're harping on about Brees Hall there, and I think it's slightly. Um, I think it's a slight variable considering that the 101 in this class has been so devalued because of the lack of hype that that's probably where that ADP is coming from. If you name some other guys after him, so like a CD lamb, I'm with you. I just think that Brees Hall in the next few months will be going ahead of Pitts. It's just okay. a 101. That's fine. That's fine. Isn't well, but there yet. As, okay, then. R- remove everything I said about Brees Hall and putting CD lamb. Give me CD Lamb straight up over Carl Pitts. Oh, if you're I now, agree if with you're you. Now telling me, if you're now telling me I can get something on top of CD Lamb by trading away Carl Pitts, I'm doing that every day of the week. And look, I, I love, you know, I've got loads of Travis Kelsey shares because I love that positional advantage. I like going tight end early, but fifth overall non-QB player, that that is outrageous. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't... Um, I cannot fault anything you've said. Uh, I, I think the thing there, so I've got that top four in a tier at the moment because um, I struggle to split them out. So the top four in ADP are Pitts, Andrews, uh, Kelsey and Kittle. So I've got them all in a top four tier. Um, and I think it's kind of a, a two-way tier of Pitts for dynasty longevity and i suppose you could probably put andrews in the middle of these two and kittle and kelsey in the more win now column um because i and the only reason i'm putting kittle in the win more win now kind of tier is because we don't know what's happening with lance um but he could easily be moving back into the middle with andrews i think the reason Pitts is going so highly is people love their rosters to look amazing on paper. And I think that will change closer to the season. We're in the point in the off season now, Rich, where the entire dynasty community are looking at their rosters going on. This is amazing. I love the names on my roster and they aren't at the point now where they're thinking, where is my point production going to come from? That's not me saying that Pitts isn't going to produce points because as I said, he scored one touchdown last year and he still did really well as a rookie tight end. I think that the, the sky is the limit. He is only going to go up. And I do think that he will retain tight end one for a good portion of his career. I think he's always going to be around this tier, providing injuries don't take that away from him. The issue I have, which is exactly what you've said, is the cost that you've got to take him at for um, startups is 
ridiculous considering you can get an Andrews, a Kittle around even two to three rounds later. Looking at Kittle's cost right now, is that the 44th player off the board, Rich? Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah. So you can get Kittle three, four rounds later. I'd take Kittle over Pitts at the cost. It, I think it com- kind of comes back to the, the Mills-Mac Jones conversation we were having. So another tight end, uh, the second one that came off the board was Pat Frymuth. Went to the Steelers. Um, Rich, we talked about it pre-show, and I think that we're both in a similar agreement here. I think personally, I won't put this in into your mouth, but personally, I think Pat Frymuth is one of the most overvalued tight ends right now. I think he is going. He's going as the tight end uh, nine, I believe. Did we say tight end eight? Sorry, in ADP. So I think that he's potentially being kind of earmarked for that top tier jump this season because he had a good rookie season. And I'm not saying that he can't do that. I'm just saying we've got a new quarterback there. Um, I know that a lot of people weren't high on him coming into the draft, but he did go pick 20, which, yes, in terms of quarterbacks, was still pretty late, but it was still a first-round pick um, and the only first-round pick in this class for quarterback position. Um, I'm just looking at some of the other tight ends, and I think everyone that is listening and that has been listening for a while knows my stance in tight ends. Um, You either take one of the top, guys and at the moment it's the top four to six maybe if you count Hawkinson and Waller in the top six um or you just wait till the end and as we talk pre-show rich um we would take a lot of guys lower end uh, at lower cost to fill that position so guys that I named were Evan Engram at tight end 22 um there's Robert Tunyon at tight end 27, Austin Hooper at tight end 28 in ADP. I take all of those guys at cost compared to where Frymouth is going right now. Because I think after you get past the top tier, you are seeing not much of a difference between everyone else. Yeah. I think, look, Frymouth had a a great um, rookie season. I think he's unsurprising was the unexpected was the big thing about the season. The issue I have with Pat Frymish rookie season is that he scored 27% of his points by touchdowns. Like he was outside of Dawson Knox, the most touchdown reliant tight end across all of fantasy. Now, if you're telling me that touchdowns are fluky and we're saying like Cole Pitts is due touchdown regression, he, he, he could see an easy um, bump in terms of his production there. Well, we've got to be talking about Pat Frymuth going the other way. You know, this is an offence that, yeah, it's got a new quarterback. Could that change the distribution of touchdowns? Are we going to see perhaps some, some more balls pushed downfield? Chase Claypool had a, a very poor year last year. Could he see a bounce back? Are we going to see, you know, Najee Harris have a bump in touchdowns? I don't think you can rely on a guy that only had, you know, had less than 500 yards as a rookie. The reason he was booped up and finished where he did was because he had seven touchdowns. You know, give me, in the same price range, give me Dallas Goddard, give me Dalton Schultz all day. 
every day of the week. I can't can't get on board with Pat Frymouth going ahead of either of those two guys. Yeah, so um, I just looked at his touchdowns um, and he scored seven touchdowns. He had 79 targets, 60 receptions. So he scored a touchdown every 11 receptions. To me, that isn't going to carry on. I think that even if it does carry on, his targets, I don't foresee them going up. They've just drafted George Pickens in the second round. I, I just don't think that that production is going to carry or that efficiency is going to carry on. Even if he carries on at 80 targets, roughly, I don't think that he's going to get those seven touchdowns, like you said. Um, coming to the last tight end on our list, Rich, Brevin Jordan, a guy that I was very big on pre-draft, uh, went in the fifth round, so kind of uh, broke my heart a little bit. And then... Um, but he went to the Texans, so he has a, a good situation in terms of the, the the room is wide open. But the scary thing about him is you have no idea what his quarterback situation is going to be this year or next year. Like we talked about Davis Mills, every, uh, copy and paste everything we said about Davis Mills into this segment. We don't know what that quarterback situation is going to be like, whether it's going to be any good, whether anyone apart from Cooks is going to be able to feed in that offense. Um, Brevin Jordan going into his second year, I think he's got a great profile. That's what I loved about him the most coming out of the uh, out of college into the NFL was his profile. Um, he needs to work on his blocking. He, he did before the draft, and I believe that's probably what the, the Texans are going to be pushing. But he's a great pass-catching tight end. He just needs to be used. And at the moment, he's tight end 29. I've seen him go a lot higher than that um, because a lot of people are taking that profile and upside into account. Um, and I think people are seeing a trend. Uh, I, I, for one, am seeing a trend where you look at a, a tight end's profile and it's not the only indicator. But if a tight end has a really good profile, then you're most likely going to see a good third year and that is again not saying it for every tight end and I'm not saying it's the only indicator and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the third year but a good profile does tend to indicate that they're going to have a good season at some point I think that's what a lot of people are gravitating towards with Brevin Jordan Rich yeah look I really like the player the reason I've I've included him here is because I think he is a sneaky buy Okay, I think the at tight end nine, I uh, twenty nine. I agree. Yeah, I think that's that's a remarkable value. I think the thing people forget is that Brevin Jordan didn't play a game until week eight, I believe. You know, we talk about how it's difficult if rookies get that slow start. He came in; he was a tight end one in 44% of his games. He played in nine games, and in four of those, he finished as a tight end one. Like, yeah, so he, he didn't start until week eight, or he didn't play until week eight. Yeah. And he only had two games over 50% snap share. Yeah. He had three, oh, five over 40%. And Jordan Akins is now gone. Jordan Akins is now in New York. I really think that Brevin Jordan could be poised for... You know, a breakout. We talk about all these guys, whether you want to throw in 
Cole Komet, Irv Smith, people like that, that we're talking about, oh, these 10 tight ends are going to break out this year and actually only one of them does. So then the next year we say, oh, but this tight end broke out, you know, Dalton Schultz last year, he broke out. So that means next one's going to break out. It doesn't work like that. But if I can take two or three flyers, if I can get Brevin Jordan at the price he's going, you know, it's, 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 it's worth a punt. This is a guy that very similar stats in terms of Pat Frymuth. He was very reliant on touchdowns. Over 30% of his fantasy points came from touchdowns. The reason he had four good weeks was because he caught a touchdown in each of those weeks. Um, but I just think that... In three of those four. Oh, there you go. Three, in three of those four, he caught a touchdown. I was going to say, he only scored three touchdowns, so it would be very difficult. <laughs> four good oh, weeks. Um but I, I just think that look, there's, there's not a huge amount of targets that we think are going to be great in Houston. Why not take a punt on this guy? Because for dirt cheap, I, I don't see a huge difference between him and Pat Frymuth outside of draft capital. So again, you know, back to the, the Davis Mills, Mac Jones conversations. If you're saying to me, I can get, you know, potentially a, a, a what, a, what we get in on top of Brevin Jordan for Pat Frymy for at least a, a second, if not more. Um, you know, that's, that's probably, probably pushing two seconds. Yeah. Or if I can get Zach Ertz and Brevin Jordan for Pat Frymuth, Zach Ertz give me the production now and, and Brevin Jordan's my pump for the future. That's that's probably the move I'm making again there. We've agreed too much in this episode, mate. We have. We have. I, I feel like we need to disagree more. Uh, maybe next week we're doing running backs, so uh, maybe I'll I'll just start throwing some stuff. If you agree on something, I'll I'll, I'll start uh, playing devil's advocate a little bit more, mate. Just throw throw some shade at uh, Gainwell, and well, that's that's no guaranteed. Happy. You can pencil that in now. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, that concludes this episode. So that is the sophomore scrutiny series kicked off. Well, and truly in the Russian next week. Um, so until next week, guys. Oh, uh, I've I've okay. forgot. Jumping. I'm I'm supposed to be saying something that I completely forgot. Um, so I want to launch a uh, a new dynasty league, but purely for for people that listen to this pod. So this isn't going to be open to people on Twitter. I'm not going to be saying anything on Twitter or, or posting anywhere. If you want to join, it is going to be a 16 team. Superflex, uh, Titan Premium, which I guess probably rules you out, Liam. Um, league, then drop me a DM on Twitter or a text or, or however you want to get in contact. Um, and I will add you. I, as I said, I literally want this to just be listeners of this podcast. So, uh, so if you've listened to the end, hopefully you can uh, you can come and join the league. We'll be free. Um, and and yeah, should hopefully be some good fun. You love your uh, kind of wacky, uh, non-standard league, shall we say. The, yeah, the I'll, whole... get, I'll be honest. This time last year, I was like, right, I only want to play in 12-team Superflex, Titan Premium. This this is this is going to be my leagues that I play in. And then now I'm like, oh, I want to do something different. So I'm in, I'm in the Kitchen Sink Leagues with Ryan McDowell's. I'm in... I'm in an auction league. We're we're going to do a salary cap league together. We've just done That's another team teamer. Like, I just want something a bit different. Mainly because I think a lot of people have got my ranks and my values, and uh, they're all geared towards twelve <laughs> team Zooflex. So it's diff- it's nice to draft, and people not know exactly who I'm going to pick before I do. 
What what I need to figure out, Rich, is how you went from setting up a thirty-two team league, which is how I met you uh, <laughs> two years ago, to going to standard twelve team leagues to coming back to the other end again. Yeah, it, all in the space of two years. Yeah, well, the thirty-two team league was great fun, uh, or a great idea, but I think in practice was terrible. And uh, yeah, it was one of those ideas that you come up in lockdown. When you've not got much to do, and then uh, and then yeah, it, it sort of drifts off. So, anyway, sorry, you yeah. you you can finish the pod now. I've <laughs> I've got that in. I do apologise. The only thing I've got to say on that is I won that league, so I'm I'm happy. And I I uh, the only reason I think it went downhill was because I left after winning. Um, anyway, guys, <laughs> <laughs> that was the softball scrutiny series. Well and truly kicked off. Next week will be running backs as rich. Uh, hinted at so make sure you tune in tuesday eight o'clock gmt or listen as the podcast as usual if you want to get into one of rich's um or i think you're only doing the one rich but if you want to get into the the dynasty listener league quote unquote um message rich and he'll get you sorted in that so until next week go guys have a great week see you then live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.